This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. Blue wire. Breaking news, LeBron is a Laker. This Clippers team will win a championship this year. Paul George, corner three. Yes, sir! Bryant has to put it up with the buzzer. Backs it in! <laughs> he backs in the three! And the Lakers win! Hello once again, everybody, and welcome back to the Battle for LA podcast, part of the Clutch Points and Blue Wire Networks. As usual, Tomer Zarli, your Clippers beat writer here, once again with uh, someone who might as well become my co-host at this point, Justin Russo. Once again, uh, you know him as Fly by Night on Twitter and uh, wherever else you follow him, I guess. I hope they don't follow me anywhere else. I hope they do follow you everywhere else. (laughs) <laughs> yeah stop yeah. this guy <laughs> yeah if you're following me everywhere there's some problems i might have to just you know look out for my well-being at that point if they're fans <laughs> short for fanatics sir that is true that's true um we're here to talk about the la clippers uh first round or second round matchup rather uh it is official as of tuesday night this will be wednesday morning when this comes out uh as of tuesday night they will be facing the denver nuggets in the second round of the western conference playoffs uh Semifinals are set to begin on Thursday um, at 6 p.m. Pacific time. The first four games will all be 6 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, it'll be Thursday, Saturday, Monday, and then Wednesday. So every other day, pretty much. Um, Nuggets, uh, <laughs> Nuggets don't get any days off. They get one day uh, tomorrow to sort of breathe, and then they're back on the court uh, on Thursday night. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, uh, but the Clippers have been off since Sunday. Well, since Monday. They took care of the Mavs in six on Sunday. Um, uh, had a couple days. I think they did some film. They had a breather day on Monday where they didn't practice at all. Um, and now we're here. So um, I guess, Justin, your, your first thoughts on, on the Nuggets and did you want the Jazz at all or were, were you comfortable with, with the Nuggets matchup uh, looking at it uh, you know, as a whole? So it's weird because I kept like, okay, before game seven on Tuesday – I was kind of back and forth over who I wanted them to play. The only thing I was sure of going into game six of that series was I just wanted Denver to win game six 
So the Clippers got a couple more off days so that Patrick Beverly can rest up with his calf. When we got to game seven, even, even the day of game seven. So like, I'm talking like early afternoon, I started doing some video work into both teams and kind of dissecting a little things. I'm going to do more video work uh, actually later on tonight after we record this. Um, I kind of sold myself on Denver in terms of that's who I would prefer for the Clippers to play in the second round. This doesn't mean I'm like 100% comfortable. Oh, the Clippers are going to beat the Nuggets. Like I'm not, I, I think if you're comfortable going into any series, that's how you get upset. So I think there should be some trepidation. There are some things that Denver does that is going to worry the Clippers. But I, realistically for me, based on what I've looked at, I think the problems that Utah would have given the Clippers were worse than what Denver could give them. I think Denver's ceiling is higher than Utah's. Mm-hmm. The problem is I also like, – like when you look at those two teams specifically, just Denver and Utah – while I think Denver's ceiling is higher than Utah, I do think Utah's floor is higher. And you primarily want to kind of avoid the high floor teams because those are the teams who just never go away. They're always in the game. With the high ceiling teams, there are games where they're not completely in sync, and those are the games you're kind of just going to run away with. But for now, and even, I guess, going forward, um, I like the Denver matchup for the Clippers. I know some people don't. I know some people preferred Utah. I personally would prefer Denver. I, I think you can make a case for both. Um, I think you can. You know, the Nuggets obviously just got Gary Harris back, and he's, he's, he's working his way back into shape after being out for, I think, five months. This is his first game action in a long time. Um, you know, I think you mentioned before we hopped on that he played, I think, 20 consecutive minutes in the second half or something like that, 16 consecutive minutes. Um, big 26 as a whole. So I think that minutes restriction is gone for him or I don't know if the Nuggets wanted it to be gone, but anyways, uh, I think the main reason I wanted the jazz, um, was because I feel like uh, obviously Rudy Gobert is defensive player of the year, but, uh, you know, teams have been able to sort of expose him, um, in the past. Uh, and then, you know, they're running, uh, seven guys, eight guys. And today we saw, they ran six guys at 25 minutes and two guys played seven minutes. Uh, they're basically a short, shorthanded team without Boyan Bogdanovich. Um, you know, Emmanuel Moutier is not playing. Uh, they don't really have anyone else that can really create problems. Uh, and so they, I think, you know, after a grueling seven game series, uh, the last thing you want, you know, being shorthanded is to face the Clippers, uh, you know, a stacked Clippers team that's been rested. So I thought you could make a case for Utah. Um, Donovan Mitchell's been playing out of his mind, though, and you mentioned beforehand that his, you know, his ability to to score at multiple levels uh, and create has just been, you know, it's a joy to watch. Uh, but when it's against your team, it, it creates problems. Um, yeah. And so I think that I think that yeah, like I really enjoyed watching the series, but I was like, man, if the Clippers have to face that, they're gonna have some work to do. You know, Kawhi and PG are good, but Donovan is good on his own too. So. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I don't think I'm too too upset with it. Um, either way, this is going to be, I think, a favorable matchup. Um, I'm not going to say they're going to roll through the Nuggets now, uh, because I think the Nuggets do have some some interesting guys who could create some problems for the Clippers. But ultimately, um, look, if Doc has learned anything from the last round in terms of playing Zubats a bit more, um, I, I know you mentioned that Trez is able to play against some of these uh, Nuggets bigs because they're not really big big guys. They're not shot blockers. They're not lengthy guys. Uh, and so Trez has shown that he can bully around some guys his size. But I think Zubats, again, against Jokic, 
Um, I, I like that matchup. Um, you know, Jokic is going to get his. There, there's no deny he's a superstar. He's going to get his. But I think Zubats, we've, we've seen that he's defending at the rim at a, at, a, at a very nice clip so far in the bubble, especially in the playoffs. Um, and so I think he, he can really do a good job on Jokic. Again, he's not going to stop him. I don't think anyone's going to stop Jokic. But uh, I'm kind of looking forward to that matchup. And I hope Doc does play Zubats over – what's a good line? I hope he plays him over 20 minutes. I hope he plays him close to 30 minutes. Uh, I, I don't know if we'll see that. But, um, you know, what one can hope. <laughs> Let's get something perfectly clear and out of the way right now. Avita Zubas is not averaging 30 minutes per game in this series. I really, <laughs> I really, really hope people don't go into this series going, oh, man, we're playing Nikola Jokic, possibly the best center in basketball. I think Zubas is going to probably average 30 minutes a night. It's not happening. It's no, it's not. not. It's not. It's not. It absolutely isn't. Uh, yeah, maybe I, I should make that clear too. Yeah, uh, you know I what I want and year, what I know are going to happen are two different things. Right, right, right. I, I, I said that. Uh, I tweeted that earlier. I, I think he's ready. Uh, I think Zubac is ready to play thirty minutes, and I got like a ton of responses saying, "Yeah, but is Doc ready?" And I'm like, ah. <laughs> "We'll that's see." A whole that's a whole nother question, my man. Yeah, I mean, look, Trash presents some interesting opportunities, um, scoring opportunities, mismatch opportunities. Uh, but Zubats has just been so fantastic in the bubble, uh, especially after his last off last uh, close season where he wasn't he wasn't even playable against the Warriors last year. Granted, it was the Warriors, but uh, still, he's just made such so many great strides that. Uh, it, it, it's fun to watch him. It's fun to watch him on the court. He makes good decisions defensively. Uh, he's got nice soft hands around the rim. We saw him with a nice little reverse jam the other game. I didn't know he had that in him. but uh, let's, yeah. let's make it clear, too. Um, the fact that Zubats was able to be as big of a factor in the series against Dallas speaks volumes about the kind of progress he's made, not only physically but mentally and uh, confidence-wise. I don't think he had confidence last year. Now, primarily some of that was because of his hand issues that he was dealing with after he got to the Clippers. But you watch him now. If you watch him in that first-round series last year and you watch him in the first-round series against Dallas this year, they're two different players. Right. They're operating at two different wavelengths of, of uh, basketball IQ in terms of understanding the system that they're playing and the people they're playing against. He did not look rushed this series like he did last year's so against golden state zubats kind of looked like a deer in headlights against yeah. dallas he did not look like that he looked like he understood everything that was happening where to be what to do everything so i i really do want to credit him because i think the case could be made that like not even not even case could be made he was a top four player for the clippers in that first round and if you really wanted to you could make a case he was top two, in fact, if not top three, but I'll safely say he was inside the top four because of what he did at the rim, uh, defensively and offensively, the screens that he would set that got people, especially Kawhi Leonard, freed up. Um, I really love his two-man uh, synergy with Marcus Morris, especially on defense. That little duo defensively understands where the other one's going to be. So you're seeing this guy in Zubats who – you look at him and you're like, this is a young guy, you know, they paid him in the offseason like $7 million a year, you know, like, oh, he's a placeholder starter, but Montrez Harrell is going to get the most minutes and all this stuff. And he keeps chugging along and improving his game. And 
he was just such a monster in that first series to where Doncic got around him and looked almost mystified at times. Now, to be fair, Luka Doncic is possibly a top five player in the NBA already, if not already top 10. And he still got his against pretty much anyone who defended him. But Zubats gave him real problems. And I just wanted to shout out Zubats because that was an incredible display from him. And, you know, before he got in the bubble, I said, I tweeted out before he got in the bubble. Uh, I remember this vividly. You know, the Clippers need him because if they don't have him, their championship aspirations are kind of shot. Like, that's how important he is in my mind. Yeah, I agree with you. I, you know, I remember back to – I actually remember this vividly. When, when we went to media day, and um, I think – I don't think many of us were, were shocked by the contract Zubat's got. But given that Trezor's on the team, I think the four-year commitment at, at the money that he got um, was interesting. Given that he was just played off the court against the Warriors, um, and so which is I, which happens because look, they did it to everybody. Yeah, exactly. They, that's they also why I gave him for everyone. Yeah, that's why I also gave him a pass on that because I'm like, okay, first off, you're young; it's your first postseason series, and you had to play the Golden State Warriors at full strength. Like, dude, like, good luck. Like, it's gonna happen. Right. It's it's a it's a bad matchup for almost anyone. Um, and so yeah, I I didn't really blame him too much, but I I was curious at the you know, I was surprised they gave him that, that contract a bit. So I, I wanted to know where they were going with it, considering Trez was the guy who was getting, you know, what was he? He was probably second for sixth man of the year that year. Um, fantastic postseason for Trez. Um, yeah, he averaging, really 20, averaging 20, close to 28, 29 minutes a game, I want to say. Uh, 20 points a game, just under that. So uh, I, I thought it was interesting. And then, and then you know, Doc mentioned that, at media media day, he mentioned that they gave Zoo a laundry list sort of of things to do in the off season. One of them was really get in shape, uh, and he came he came into camp in shape. It, it was it was uh, it was good to see him in shape and ready to go. Um, oh, I yeah. do, not to cut you off, I do want to mention this. When we talk about how Zubats was in the first round, we need to mention he came into the bubble late because he had COVID, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah, he busted absolutely. his tail in the seeding games to get in shape. And he was probably one of their top three players in the seeding games. Like, this isn't like watched, a blip on the radar. Yeah, no, that first game that he came out and played, you could see he didn't have the lift or the just, just, just the energy to run. Yeah, yeah, you could tell. And so... Uh, and, and that applies to Landry, too. Because Landry came in later than Zubats, and it took him a while to get his legs under him. And then he starts game three of the series, and he was fantastic. And all the other... like. I, Landry Shamit blew me away. I knew, I, I know I called for him to start in game three and, and yeah, like I'm not, this isn't that I told you. So it's just, he even blew me away because if you look at him from game three through six, he's one of their best players because of where he is defensively in terms of scheme wise. Now, maybe individually he's not a good defender, but he's a great team defender in my mind. Like I think he's an above average team guy. And offensively, he was doing things that I'm just like, dude, like, this is what they needed. It was, it was perfect. So shout out to those two guys because they, they dealt with stuff before coming into the bubble, and they, got, they whipped themselves into shape. It wasn't an excuse, and they, 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 they were shining bright. Yeah, I, no, I, you, hit, you hit it on the nail. Um, like, people forget that those two came in, uh, you know, by the seeding game, I think they came in probably two and a half, three weeks late. Um, they missed the first two and a half weeks of training camp, which everyone was using to get back into shape. So they were basically using their 
hotel treadmill, hotel, you know, mini weight room, and the 30 to 40 minutes that they were allowed outside the room uh, daily to just use that to get into shape. Um, and so it, it was it was great to see that, that you know, Zoo was able to, to, to be as impactful as he was in that first round. Uh, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be that impactful um, in the second round uh, because he's just a, he's just a smart smart player, uh, and, and he he knows he just he just has a good feel for the game. I think it just comes down to that. He's a really good feel for the game. Um, and I also want to give Montrezl Harrell a break because I've kind of been harsh on him for that first round where I just thought he just shouldn't have played because I just didn't think he was like Bobon was just killing him. Like that's that's what a big part of it was. Bobon was just killing him. So I I don't think it was so much as him as it was the positions he was being put in. Like if I you're agree telling, with that if too. you're telling Tress to go play against a guy who's eight inches taller than him, longer than him, can block his shot easily. Uh, it's going to be tough, especially when you don't have that jumper um, to sort of space the floor out. Uh, I I didn't blame him for playing poorly. I just thought uh, we mentioned this last time. I thought the perfect counter to that was. Pulling, pulling uh, Zoo out within the first four minutes, three minutes, whatever it is, uh, getting Tress some burn in before Boban gets in. And once Boban gets in, because Boban's not going to play 25 minutes a game. Right. Uh, so, yeah, and then once Boban gets pulled back out, you can throw uh, Tress back in and sort of mix it up that way. And we saw that. I, I believe it was game three we saw that. Uh, we saw a bit yeah. of that in game five. But for and the, a little bit in game right, six. But for the most part – Okay, game six two, I believe. Yeah, but I for the fourth most quarter, part, yeah. For the most part, though, it was it was uh, it was tough on Trez. He he had a tough task of going up going up against Boban. Well, I remember I remember one place vividly, where he got the ball had had a float shot or a layup, but Boban's length just made him toss it up so quickly that he missed it. And I'm like, that's a shot that Trez makes nine out of ten times. But because of the length of Boban, it just really made it tough on him. And uh, I think that's just what contributed to his struggles. I think he'll have a, a, a bit of an easier time uh, in this next round. Well, that's why I wanted to bring him up, too, because while he didn't have COVID, he came into the bubble late. And he did not have – we need to remember, and that's why, I'm, that's why I'm trying to cut him some slack. Like, his first game was game one of the series. And that was his first game in the bubble and his first game in five months. Like he's got to take time to get his leg. Like, like with Landry and with, and with zoo, they needed time to get their legs under them. It's, it takes time. And I thought he, I thought Harold looked fine in game five, but at the same time, he looked really good in the, in the fourth quarter, which was a blowout. So I don't know how much to take from that, but I also think he was okay in game six for large portions of it. But I also think he had downsides, but that happens with everybody. And so I think, the second round for him, especially because of the days off to where they can practice and run and drill things down, I think that's when we could see him get back to the level that we're used to him being, especially because he played well against Denver this season. Yeah, he did. This, I, this, is, this is a good matchup for him. Uh, and you would know with no, like, you know, great shot blocker on the Nuggets. Is there even a shot blocker on the Nuggets? I, I don't know. Um, I don't think Mason Plumlee is really getting it done like that. Um, I, I don't think there's a lot of long guys who can give some issues. So yeah, uh, it'd yeah be Plumley, is... it's Plumley and kind of a, like as weird as this sounds, it's like Plumley and Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant makes sense because he he guards a lot of the wings, and uh, he's a great defender. He's a good defender. He's uh, a really good defender. He's yeah, a really good summer. Kawhi defender. Mm-hmm. I, well, playoff Kawhi that was is okay. a, yeah. a bit of a. I'm starting. Hey, buddy, I'm starting to I'm starting to believe in playoff Kawhi. 
Hey man, everyone's everyone was taking their taking their jabs and making jokes about him load managing, but uh, that first round from Kawhi was uh, one of the best that I've ever seen in a series. I mean, what did he average? He averaged uh, just under thirty three points, and he did it shooting fifty four percent from the field. Uh, you know, other than the three point line, I mean, he was fantastic. Ten rebounds, five assists, uh, two and a half steals. He was just uh, fantastic. Um, hey, yeah, I, I, I think about I, it, dude. Mid-range game almost seems automatic at this point, too. And you know what's crazy? He didn't even shoot that well from the actual mid-range. He was killing it from the short mid-range, like the yeah. 8 to 16 feet. He was actually just murdering line. them. Yep. I looked at the, the shot chart the other day. He was, he was great. He was really good there. Um, and so He's incredible. Like, I just – whew, he, he's, he's something else. Like, you know – when Chris Paul was on the Clippers, I did have a sense of calm. Like, okay, the ball's in Chris's hands. Like, I know people are going to bring up, oh, OKC game five, you know, like stuff like that. Like, oh, like the, like that, like lives in their minds. I always trusted Chris to make the right decision. Always. Mm-hmm. I feel that a little bit more with Kawhi. Like in terms of like, I think it's as great as, and as, great as Chris was late in games and as much as I trusted him, I think I trust Kawhi a little bit more. And I think it's just the size. Like, like there's – I don't know who you guard him with. No, I think that's exactly it. I mean, did you see that play where he drove through the lane with one hand and just basically tossed the ball into the, into the basket? It got a kind yeah. of bounce. But I was just like, who is doing that? He just took yeah. one hand and sort of just, you know, palmed it and just tossed it in, like floated it in. From that, one hand, that one hand laser pass he makes from the right wing to Landry in the left corner – that didn't get enough love that didn't get enough love that That is an yeah that is an absurd pass yeah hey guys just wanted to pause real quick to tell you guys about doordash you've counted on restaurants and now they are counting on you and while their dining rooms may be closed they're still open for delivery with doordash doordash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door Ordering is easy. Just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside of your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and even the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app and select your favorite local spot and your food is on the way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off your first order and zero delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Also, I want to mention this play from him. In the fourth quarter, you know how he goes on that run where he scores like eight straight points? Right. It starts with a dunk, but what I think people missed on the dunk is it was a 2-3 zone by Dallas, so he's matched up against Seth Curry at the right elbow. What people probably missed out on is Zubats is in the dunker spot on the left side of the, of the, uh, of the, of the paint, and Boban is there. Like, Boban's waiting for Kawhi to drive. Well, Kawhi waits until Boban goes towards Zubats because he knows that Boban has to literally tap Zubats to not get called for three seconds. 
So he right. waits until what has been dubbed as the 2.9. He waits until the center has to vacate the area because of the three-second violation and drove right then, and it was completely un- uncontested. This is a guy who I think we have to remember, he's still learning, and he's still getting better. It's gnarly. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> you talk about a sense of calm. Uh, I think Clover fans are used to uh, let down. Oh, I don't think I know this. They're used to let downs and, uh, you know, so some, I guess Chris Paul years especially helped with that. But uh, yeah, just, just him, having him on the court, uh, definitely a sense of calm. Definitely a sense of, all right, we have a two-time finals MVP who's probably going to make the right play here and get it done. I mean, there were a couple of plays where he tried to get guys involved. I think Landry missed a three. He got the offensive rebound. I was like, all right, I'm going to do this myself. Drove in, got a bucket, got an and one. Did, did you ever watch Chappelle show? I didn't know. I didn't have a chance. Have you ever so you've never seen the Prince episode? Uh the one where he's hanging off the rim? Yeah, it's Charlie Murphy's True Hollywood Stories. No, I haven't. No, I haven't seen You that need one. to watch it because I'm gonna tell you right now, Kawhi reminds me of Prince in that video. Because there's a sequence in there where, where Prince just starts shooting jumpers and very calmly just goes, Good. Good. <laughs> Nothing like it's just like it's just it's it's hilarious. That's how I feel Kawhi is. He'll go for a jumper, and before he even goes in, he just – in his mind, good. And then, like, that's it. And that's how he was in that fourth quarter because he had four straight possessions, and three of them were, were jumpers where he's just staring the defender down and just going, uh-huh, and just rising up and firing. He scored eight points on two dribbles. Think yeah, about that. Crazy. That's just quick move, quick decision, boom, shoot. Yeah. From, I mean, the, from, from the right – oh, man, I mean, inside the paint. 26 of 40 from the field. I mean, that, that free throw line area, 11 of 14 from the field, the right side of the basket, and the mid-range 12 of 18. I mean, yeah, you nailed it. Now, the, short, the short mid-range jumper was just a, a feasting. It was just a party for him. Now, you mentioned that. Now look ahead to, to the second round and Denver and just go outside of Jeremy Grant, who can they actually put on him? Uh, I, I mean, they could probably put a Tory Craig on him, but – I mean, good luck. I like Tori. Yeah, good luck. I think he's a luck. good defender. Good luck. Yeah, again, I don't think anyone. I don't mean that. In a, I don't mean that in a mean way. I'm just saying, like, because buddy, they they put Maxi Kleba on him. And Maxi Kleba, I want to point this out real quick. I know we've kind of moved on from he's talking about Dallas. Good defender. He did a good Maxi Kleba. Yeah, Maxi Kleba is a good to great defender. And I want to shout out Maxi Kleba. He played some phenomenal defense. He really did. If you go look at the Kawhi numbers with Kleba on him, they're not as great as people might think. Kleba defended him really well. Here's the other part. It didn't matter. Like, that's yeah. the scary part about Kawhi Leonard. It just didn't matter. I mean, with Kleba, yeah, he was asked to play a lot of different positions, too. I mean, he guarded Zubats in some plays. Uh, he guarded PG, Kawhi. He did it all for them, whenever, whatever they needed. Um, let's see. Uh, Kawhi, Kawhi with uh, Kleba on the court. Shot 45% with Kleba off the court, 40%. So, uh, yeah, he didn't – he made it tough on him. But, again, it was – Kawhi's just too good. Just Kawhi's just too good. Yeah, um, it's, it's just how it is. And, yeah, I'm starting to believe I, – I remember everyone said after last postseason, well, let's see if Kawhi can do this again. Uh, because they, they call him sort of a one-hit wonder. And, uh, I mean, so far, so good. Uh, I think 32 – Looking solid. 32 on 54% is pretty good. Oh, yeah. I've also seen people that were like, oh, man, he had to play 40 minutes a game in the first round. Like, that's not great. Well, okay. <laughs> to some degree, I understand that. He played 39 minutes in the first round uh, per game. You know what the other thing is? That shows me he's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like, this is also why they did the inner injury management during the season. So that when they got to the postseason, hey, buddy, we have off days. Ramp it up. Let's go. Yeah, if, I think he's fantastic. It's fantastic for him. It, it, it's, it's proven almost. I mean, I, I, I don't like guys sitting out games, especially when fans go to him, but uh, it, it's proven. And if you're going to have a lot of back-to-backs in the season, if you're going to have, uh, you know, full 82-game season sort of bunched together, um, guys got to do what they got to do. And we're seeing that it's paying off for him. So, um, One of the crazy parts of that first yeah, no round, problem. by the way, is Kawhi and PG were the only two guys that average over 30 minutes a game. Um, Marcus would have got over it if he didn't get... <laughs> I was going to say he got ejected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, that's the right call on the ejection. That was a very stupid foul by him. Also, so... Go, go ahead. It is the right call. I understood why Morris went hard at him. If you watch the baseline angle, Luca throws an elbow at his chest and tries to shove him off like to get past him. It started before that. They, I know they they were chirping down court. I, I saw that too. Yeah, they were yeah. Down Luca court. Luca makes a shot. This possession before Luca makes a shot against Morris, and is incredulous at the refs that he didn't get a foul call. I mean, let's be real. Him up, yeah. Luca isn't the only superstar to get on the refs about not getting foul calls. Okay, like everyone does it. I understand people are gonna say he whines. Kawhi does it too, okay? Kawhi, Paul yeah, George does it. That, like, yeah. It happens. It's what they do. It's why they're superstars. Um, so coming back down the court on defense, Luca is talking to Morris, and they're actually talking together. I'm, I don't know who initiated it. It's hard to tell, but they're talking to each other, and you could tell Morris is getting on him, and I think Marcus was finally fed up, and I don't want to get into the mind of anybody, and especially Marcus Morris, but – I think he was just fed up with all the talk from Luca and just was like, all right, bibbity boppity. And he just clocked him and he should have been thrown. Like I'm so, yeah, I, I do think he should have been thrown. I just think that, you know, with the buildup before that and with the, the uh, hard you know, away the, thing. the elbow, the elbow that he kind of threw in there. Um, I, I felt like, you know, I could see that from Marcus. Marcus is not going to stand there and just get, get shit talked to. He's going to answer back. Uh, yeah. So I thought the ejection was fine. I didn't have a problem with it. My only problem was that the Tim Hardaway play was kind of similar. and Maybe worse. I mean, he, he, he hit him right in the face. right? Smack he hit him, him clear in the face. Yeah, and it looked like an angry sort of, you know, um, what do you call those? Just like a just, – he was just pissed. They were getting blown out that game. Paul George was lighting him up. Um, By the way, that Hardaway and, and he thing? he fouled him hard. And they didn't call – they called it a flagrant one. But – yeah. And I remember, I remember talking to one of the beat guys who asked the question. I said, "Did you should ask maybe if Morris's previous history played a part in this? Because it feels like it should have. If it, it I mean, because they were going at it all series, you know. But the game before that, Lucas said, "I don't want to talk about him. He stepped on my ankle. I don't know if it was intentional." Blah blah blah. It feels like the history definitely played a part in that ejection, even though Scott Foster said it didn't. Yeah, so Scott Foster said it didn't, and I think it's very hard to sit there and try to tell people that they're lying to you because like, I don't like Scott Foster's not going to tell you if the, if it did play a factor, like, you know what I mean? Like that's, you're not going to admit that because then you're saying people get judged differently on foul. Calls. Right. 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 Um, well, so I, I'm fine I, I about that up because Doc Rivers said after the first quarter, it was because it was Marcus. That's why I got ejected. I think it was, but also, I don't know. I think I, th- I would like to believe every situation's looked at on an, on a case by case basis. The thing with the Hardaway thing, honestly, is it didn't elicit the reaction from the player that was fouled, which was Paul George, 
like Doncic was. Now, to go back to the Hardaway one, if you actually go back and watch that, Paul George gets up and he's he's heated. And Zoo holds him back. But Zoo holds him back, and the difference was Hardaway immediately turned his back and walked away. Marcus didn't. And I think that might have been a little bit of the problem. That was it's more like, of the intent. Yeah. Yeah, that's the sign of the intent. Whereas with Hardaway, you're kind of like, oh, maybe it might have been accident. Now, to be fair, I don't think Hardaway should have been thrown out either. And he wasn't, but I just don't think he should have. Like, you're making plays on a ball and the follow-through is bound to hit something. That's how that's how you know momentum literally works. You know? Yeah. Um, and to be fair to Marcus. And it sounds like an excuse, but it's not. He does hit the ball. No, he does get ball, but he follows through with the intent of hitting right. of whacking Doncic. Right. He 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 hits him once on the top of the head with the left hand and then just hauls off and karate chops him. And I'm sorry. You gotta yeah, throw him out at that point. Yep. It's just it is what it is. I, I will say I, I'm kind of disappointed. You better not in get suspended. I'm disappointed. oh if he uh, I I would doubt he is right now. By now. It's been two days. Um, yeah, they would. Have been I'm kind of disappointed in Dallas. Um, that no one stuck up for Luca. Uh, that upset me. Like, if if you're if you're if you're a Dallas player and you've seen this guy punk your star for what three games now, four games now. I mean, at some point, when do you come in and just? I'm not again. I'm not advocating to hurt anybody. That's not what I'm doing here. But there are sort of unwritten rules in basketball where, like, you have to let a team know that you can't mess with our superstar. We've seen it before. Different I think the problem. I think the problem with them trying to do that is they tried to do that in game one and it got Porzingis ejected. Yeah. And well, I was thinking more of like a, I don't know, throw a Justin Jackson in there during this is, is, is two to three minutes a game or whatever it is, or someone out there. Uh, no, both I, I, but I think that someone needed to show that someone of Dallas had needed to say, hey, we're not just here to, for you to punk us the entire time. Because the Clippers punked them. Clippers punked him the last two games. They they got Luca in his head, and it's funny because like you'll look at Luca's numbers and be like, "Damn, like he was amazing." And he was, he absolutely was. I also think there was times when he got really down on himself because the Clippers were roughing him up, and like if you watched, if and you he wouldn't get calls. Six, well, yeah, if you watch Game Six, if you watch the first half of Game Six, you'll notice he goes on a run once like Morris goes out and then uh, Zubats comes out. So these guys who would get bodies into him. Like yeah. he feasted on the guys who weren't as physical and yeah. it's bound to happen like that. That's just the way it goes. It's just, I think the Clippers really did. It's like boxing. You just lean on someone long enough. They're liable to topple over. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what I think happened. And Dallas is a hell of a team. I'm not trying to take anything away from them. They're a hell of a team. And they gave the Clippers more than they can handle, even with Porzingis out. And I think people should respect the fight that they put up, but it's also okay to acknowledge, like, I don't think Dallas was, I don't want to say mentally ready. I want to say that Dallas got to a point where they started focusing more on what the Clippers were doing to them rather than just trying to impose their own will. Which they did very well in the first couple of games. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say they weren't mentally ready for that series. I don't think it's a stretch to say that. No disrespect to, to the vets that they have, but their core of guys who, who, who were contributing um, in Maxi Kleba, Luka Doncic, um, you know, obviously Porzingis. Tim Hardaway had some – Porzingis actually too, yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, Tim Hardaway, Seth Curry, they had some playoff experience. Um, but 
just most of the guys did not have that playoff experience. And you're going against a, a pretty veteran-heavy team uh, who, who know really how to get in your head. I mean, even Pat was getting into Lucas' head from the bench. So I just think they weren't mentally ready for that series. And um, maybe it's just part of the growth process. I think it's, it is just part of the growth process. You have to go through it. Um, they reminded me of that Golden State team that lost to the Clippers in the first round. 2014, yeah. Yeah, we're like – now, the year before that, Golden State goes to the second round. But I do feel the series against the Clippers was the one where they were like, all right, something has to change. Now, obviously, they changed their head coach. But that series, if people remember, is the series that they stumbled upon Draymond as their starter at power forward. Because mm-hmm, David Lee was injured, too. I don't think it was uh, it was intentional. I think he was injured, wasn't he? He got injured, but he was – yeah, he, he was injured, and they just stumbled upon it like, oh, like, yeah, this can work. So in, in Dallas's case, I, I think this is a stepping stone for them. Like, you learn from stuff like this. Like, because if you don't learn from this, you're just doomed to repeat it. Yeah. And yeah, look, for the Clippers, they're moving on to play Denver. And that's not an easy task. The Clippers got to be ready. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think you mentioned it before we hopped on. Um, I'm – how do I make, not make this sound disrespectful? I'm, I'm more comfortable with the Denver matchup than I am the Dallas matchup. Yes. Because of the – because we know that superstars can win series. Um, you know, they can win games. We saw Luka do it a couple times. Uh, they can win games. Uh, and, and I just – uh, the, the Nuggets stars, you know, albeit how good they are, don't scare me as much as a Luka Doncic does. A top five, top three player right now in the postseason, or was in the postseason. Uh, I, I'm just not super scared of them. You know, Jamal Murray obviously had a good run uh, last couple games. But today when Denver needed him the most, he kind of struggled. What did he finish? Uh, seven of uh, 21 from the field in 41 minutes. Uh, did some good things for them. But, you know, the Clippers have the weapons to slow down Jamal Murray, to make it harder on Nikola Jokic. Um, you know, Michael Porter Jr. has been playing out of his mind, but that was not a sustainable clip, what he was shooting. Uh, and so I don't expect him to shoot anywhere near those numbers in this round. So I think I'm comfortable with the Clippers matchup uh, in this round. Utah would have been nice, but Denver's, Denver's not as bad, in my opinion. Doesn't that terrify you, though, that you actually got comfortable about this? Because I, I, like, I shouldn't feel comfortable in a playoff matchup. Well, I, again, I don't mean in, in a disrespectful way. No, 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 I'm not. But I'm I, saying, yeah. It's, yeah, it's just like, it doesn't scare, scare me as much as the Mavs matchup did. Uh, the Mavs matchup right. I thought would be a, a, a sweep. I said that, and, uh, you know, I was wrong about it. But mostly I, I was wrong because I thought the Clippers would adjust a lot quicker and do things a lot differently than they did. Um, and I didn't anticipate Pat being out. So this series, I, I don't know. It, it's tough. I, I think this will go, go six, I think. Uh, I think the Clippers should win in six. I'm assuming Pat will play all six games or hopefully be back by game one. Uh, I know Doc the other day said that he hopes he have Taft Pat by game one. Uh, I personally think they might they might try to give him an extra couple of days because Denver might be so tired that they'll just try to run without Pat in game one. See 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 what what the vibe of the game is. See how it is. Feel it out. Try to steal a win in game one, uh, and then give Pat some extra rest for game two and and the rest of the series. Uh, I might be totally wrong. They might just Pat might be ready. He might just come out and play in game one. But uh, he might be ready. I think he might be. I think that'll be a welcome sight for him. But I just wouldn't be surprised for the calf strain, one that he reaggravated. Uh, they wouldn't just be super super careful with it. Yeah, I. It's been just over two weeks since he last played. You know, and so. he, he he missed about a week and a half before that with the calf strain. So yeah, so as the second one in the bubble. 
Yep. It's his fifth lower body injury of the, of the year. Um, and to me, he's the third most important clipper, if not the third best clipper. And I think you need to protect him. Of course, players want to play, which I understand, but you know, if worse comes to worse, you cannot risk him injuring it again, because if he injures it again, he's probably done for the postseason, even if you make the final somehow. Right. I agree. I agree. Real quick, wanted to tell you guys about NFL Sunday Ticket. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSunday.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV's Fantasy Zone channels. You'll never miss any of your favorite teams or your favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 50% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. I have a question for you, though. Because you just brought up a point that, that sparked a question for me. Is there a case to be made right now for Marcus having replaced Pat as a third most important clipper, given no. that he can defend as well as he has? No. The reason I feel that way, and that sounds rather than just saying no and being like, oh, we're done. Like, I'll, I'll tell you why. <laughs> um, yeah, because that'd be weird if I did that. <laughs> well, that's what you feel about it. It sounds like you're pretty clear cut feeling, though. It is, but I'll explain my stance. And because I don't want to just be people be like, well, he said no, but he never said why. Um, here's the reason Pat brings so many things to the table that you can't really quantify. Um, the running joke that you and I've had and basically every Clipper writer, co- reporter, person who covers a team, Doc always said Avery Bradley was unstatable. Remember yeah. that? Yeah, I cannot forget. Yeah, I, I feel that's Pat. And I know that's weird, but like, look at what Pat does. Pat's, Pat's the vocal guy. Pat's the heartbeat. Pat's the guy who ups the intensity when you need it. Pat's the guy who, in the fourth quarter, when you need extra possessions, he's running in through seven people and grabbing offensive rebounds and kicking it back out. He did it for De- against, uh, against Dallas in game one. Like, he does so many things that help you. And he's a 40% three-point shooter. And he's a good uh, defender on the perimeter. Like, I think that's a guy who I would put above Marcus Morris – pretty comfortably in terms of the echelon of where to rank the Clippers, especially because the drop-off from Pat to every other guard is so much it's higher. significant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like it's a killer. And that's just how I feel. And if he's not ready for Denver – like here's the difference for me between Denver and Utah, honest to God. If Pat couldn't play early against Denver, I wouldn't be freaking out. If you couldn't play early against Utah, I'd be a little bit like worried because that means you don't have anyone to guard Mike Conley. You don't have anyone to guard Donovan Mitchell and you kind of don't have anyone to guard Jordan Clarkson, but against Denver, you might not have anyone to guard Jamal Murray. And that's that's kind kind of it it outside of partially Monty Morris. Morris. Yeah. Yeah. I I tend to agree with you. I I was just curious what your stance was on that. I think Doc has said it enough times to the point where he, he called, Pat unstatable the other day. Uh, this is like probably a week ago. Um, I just don't think it made the media rounds. But uh, yeah, Pat's just a culture setter. I mean, if when we talk about the Clippers. the Clippers, when we talk about the Clippers, I think Lou Williams, um, 
and Patrick Beverly are, are two of the culture setters. You could probably say Montrezl Harrell too. Those three are sort of the culture setters in terms of, you know, we saw last year what they brought. And um, I, was working, I was working on an article that I, I don't know if I should publish anymore, but I, I'm, I'm considering it, about whether um, the Clippers have taken on a supervillain role after being this, like, you know, revered team last year. Like, they were, they were America's team last year against the Warriors. I, I, you could make a case. Um, I think they got a lot of respect from everyone. And then all of a sudden, uh, this year, they're just like, man, we hate the Clippers. Man, we hate them. And it's like, well, what really changed? Because Pat is still Pat. Uh, they just added stars. Pat is still Pat. Marcus. That's what Marcus. changed. Um, they added stars. That's pretty much it. That's what changed. So when you go from the plucky, lovable underdogs to the villain, the only thing that ever changes is you added players that other people wanted. But I also think that because you're able to play the way that you play, whether you're a 30-win team or whether you're a 50-win team, Pat is going to be Pat, Lou is going to be Lou, and Trez is going to be Trez. Those three do not change their mentality or the way they act. And I think there's something special about that. There is, if you're not on the other side. Right, right. Patrick Beverly is like Marcus Smart. You love them if they're on your team. You probably hate them if they're not. Yeah. I was just an interesting dynamic that I, that I saw going around social media the other day. Marcus. By Morris the way, that, that flop everyone. by Marcus Smart in game two was just tremendous. Which one? Was it the one on Seattle? That's the only break? way to answer. That's the only way to answer that question. Which one? <laughs> yes. Yes. The answer is yes. Uh, yeah. Smart is. But I, I was telling my friend this earlier, though. It was a competition, a flop competition between Lowry and Marcus Smart. But those two are some are two of the smartest players in the NBA. Like they just, I don't know. They're, they're I'm gonna just say the something. Smartest players in that they 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 can draw fouls. They 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 know different positions, and they're just they're just so smart, man. They're they're so cerebral on the court. I'm gonna say something, and I don't care if people take this a wrong way. Uh oh, hot take. If Patrick Beverly did the crap that Kyle Lowry does with the charge taking and diving under people who are already in the air, people would be losing their minds, but it's Kyle Lowry. So he's cool. So, Hey, like he's just trying to win the game and I get it. I completely get it. He is trying to win the game. That's also a lot of dangerous stuff that if Patrick Beverly did, people would want him to be thrown out of the league. Yeah. I, I think, I think I agree with that. Yeah. I, and, and hey, if people say it's because Kyle Lowry is better and he's a champion, that's fine. I understand. I'm just saying. I, don't I'm think, at, it's the, I think it's the, it's the way they carry themselves on the court. You know, Pat's a lot more of a barker and a guy who just lets you know he's there. Kyle Lowry will do it with his game for the most part, but Pat will do it both ways. He'll hit the three. He'll get the steal. He'll get in your face and get physical. He'll let you hear about it too. He really will. If Patrick Beverly – if the Clippers won a title this year – I don't think Patrick Beverly will ever shut up. I mean, should he? If they would have probably not. <laughs> yeah, probably not. But I'm just saying, if it's it going to be. Well, don't fix it. <laughs> it's going to be wild if the Clippers win a title because Patrick Beverly is not going to shut up. Montrezl Harrell is not going to shut up. And Marcus Morris sure as hell ain't going to shut oh, up. Oh, no way. No way. Um, that, that, I actually thought about this earlier. Um, what kind of NBA finals would it be if we had Marcus Smart versus Marcus Morris or Patrick Beverly? Oh, it, that would it, just be it, so much shit talking. 
the funniest part is like Jalen Brown, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Jason Tatum would all probably be like calm and everyone else would be losing their minds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I, I can't even imagine it. It'd be it'd be so loud out there. Um, I, and I actually, after I tweeted that, I, I looked back and because I, I remember there was some kind of exchange with Pat and Marcus Smart. They went at it early in the season. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Where, where <laughs> Pat scoffed when someone said, you know, compared him to him, and then Marcus responded the next day at practice, and uh, that was just uh, that feels like two, three years ago. But that was right, less so than a year ago. I got a question for you. Okay. If you had to rank the four East, current Eastern Conference playoff teams, the four teams that are remaining, from the team you would feel most comfortable about the Clippers beating in the finals to the least comfortable, what would that order be? Most comfortable to least comfortable. Because I asked Jovan this today, and he and I had the exact same order. So I'm curious about yours. Well, I'm going to have a different order. I guarantee you. Okay. Um, from – Least worried, I would say Toronto. Okay. I think I would go Milwaukee after that. I think I would go Boston after that, and I'd go Miami uh, at the top as the most uncomfortable. Really? I think so. I, I just – Eric Spolstra does not get enough credit for, for how, how much of a genius he is. And that oh, yeah. team uh, behind Jimmy Butler has really rallied together in, in a really nice way. So the order that he and I had was from best matchup or most comfortable, however you want to describe it, to least comfortable, in order was Miami, Toronto, Milwaukee, Boston. Boston, least comfortable. I'm least comfortable against Boston, which, by the way, sounds really insane to say because Milwaukee was the best team in the NBA this season, but their bubble life doesn't look that great. So I don't know if you saw my bracket. I had Miami beating... Um, Milwaukee in this round. I know it's not a hot take because a lot of people predicted it, but uh, before, the playoff started, before the playoffs started, I, I did a bracket with a couple of my friends, and I had Miami winning. I think it was six. I think I had Miami winning in six. Um, Giannis is... Um, I know it's only one game, but Miami has what it takes uh, both mentally and you know with bodies to, to make it incredibly hard on him and his teammates so i'm not worried about Giannis in that series against miami i'm not i'm worried about bud and his rotations in that series against miami so he commits to this what nine ten man rotation regard did he do it again in game one i think he did right yeah he Uh, played 10 players in the first eight and a half minutes of game one buddy you were in the second round of a playoff series. And I'll say this if Doc Rivers did it. You can't do that. Yeah, no. You can't get away with that. Not in the first quarter. Maybe if guys get foul trouble or if someone's not playing well and you try to throw something out there. No. Not in the first quarter. Yeah. I, I know that – I think Giannis is in foul trouble that game. But, uh, you know, Milton carried him for, for the most part um, while Giannis was out. But – yeah, I think you really got to shrink the rotation down. I don't – I don't. I mean, I can't see you justifying a 9-10 man rotation against the Heat, uh, against a really good team. If you make mistakes, Miami's going to capitalize. Uh, yeah. Jimmy Butler is going to the line 10 to 14 times. He's going to get man, you in foul trouble. That man uh, built an arena at the line with how long he was there. 
Oh, dude, seriously. But if you notice that, that's Jimmy Butler's game. I, I, I didn't yeah. really notice it until this year in terms of how, how much his game revolves around the free throw line. He's there Where all he's, the time. He finishes like five of nine from the field, and he has like 12 free throw attempts per game. It's kind of, it's kind of insane that he's able to do that game after game. I got to give him credit for that. Um, um, really real quick. Calls either. I think he's just playing a physical, smart game. Yeah, he is. Uh, real quick, though, I want to pivot back to Denver for a second. Here's a stat from, from Game 7. You ready? Okay. The Denver Nuggets scored 30 points in the second half and still won, right? Okay. Nikola Jokic scored 21 of them. He scored 21 of their 30? 21 of their 30. That's crazy. That's crazy. I don't know what's crazier, scoring 30 points in the second half and somehow winning? Or a guy scoring 21 of them. That's – this felt like a like an old-school game. It was like 56, Oh, excuse 56, me. I had it wrong. It's not 21. It was 17. He had an assist that I believe resulted in a three, so it's like 20 of 30. Either way, that's crazy. He was responsible for 20 of 30. Same, same yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I – I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to this. I want to see how both teams match up because I, I'm pretty confident in, in the way the Clippers play uh, if they can, you know, build off their, their Mavs matchup. So uh, right now, what's your prediction? Before we have to go and all that stuff, what's your prediction? I think, I think Mavs, uh, Mavs – I think Clippers in five is too bold. I, I think they can get it done in five, but I'm going to say Clippers in six. Um, if Pat is healthy, Clippers in five. Max six. Yeah, that, that's the wild card for me. I don't know if he's even going to be ready. And if and honestly, it terrifies me how kind of confident I am right now. I was not this confident for the Mavericks series. I saw, dude, I saw you were you were so pessimistic about it. You were like, I don't know why you guys are saying it's, it's going to be a cakewalk. It's not going to be. I I didn't think it was going to be a cakewalk, but I thought they they'd handle them pretty quickly, and they didn't. Buddy, when we got around to Game Five, I was fifty fifty on what was going to happen. But to me, a lot of it was on the Clippers side, just not doing you know, the things they needed to do. And you're right. Like if you do what you're supposed to do, you're gonna win the game. And I think with a team like the Mavericks, I felt pretty confidently about the Clippers winning if they did what they had to. And they did what they had to do in game five and games five and six. They stopped just switching everything defensively. They stopped dropping everything defensively. They were like, "Hey, let's show and recover. Let's actually start trapping. Let's do all these yeah. things." You know, before we went on the air, which I know is like our favorite phrase to say, because what people don't know <laughs> before we before we start recording. Tomer and I talked for like 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah. We, we had a little 45-minute pregame here. Yeah, like we <laughs> talked for more off the air than we do on. Uh, but I told you, I charted every ball screen that Luka Doncic got in the six-game series. And in game six, they set 60 ball screens for Luka Doncic. The Clippers showed and recovered on 35 of them, which was their highest of the series. And actually outpaced in terms of so they showed and recovered on 35 of them in game six that was more combined than it was in games one through four however for, the, for those who, who don't know just to not to cut you out but go ahead showing and recovering uh if you don't know um is when oh, yeah, the I guy the guy who's coming off the screen sort of hedges off there doesn't just switch completely and allows the player who's being screened off to recover and then the, you know the guy who, who, who uh was was showing a bit comes back to their guy Right. So it's not completely switching. It's just showing for a quick second and then going back and recovering to, to where it was. That it's way. also not a trap, but it kind of looks like a trap at some times based on what the ball handler does mm -hmm. is the other thing. Um, Sorry, for instance, if you show – well, I'll just explain a little bit. 
for instance, if you, sh- if you show on a screen at the right wing and the screen defender who let's just, okay, let, let's give an example. Marcus Morris, Maxi, Marcus Morris is guarding Luka Doncic. Maxi Kleba is the screener. Well, Maxi Kleber's defender is Ivica Zubat, so he's the screen defender. In terms of the show recover, uh, Kleba will screen Morris, but Zubat will come up to the level of the screen and it looks like he's trapping, but he's not. However, if it's on the, like, say, the right wing and Doncic drives right, it kind of looks like a trap, but it's really not because he's driving towards the, the, the defender. Mm-hmm. So in game six, 60 ball screens, 35 show recovers. Avisa Zubas himself sure recovered 20 times. And I, I need people to understand when we're talking about that, that is not what they did in the first four games of the series. And they drastically changed their pick and roll coverage and their screen coverage and their ball screen coverage on the fly after game four. Did, did you have the stats for the first four games? I do have the stats for the first four games. I don't have them. You know, I, I, I tweeted them out. I should go pull them up, to be honest. You said they were probably like, what, 20, not even 10 times, right? Was that, was that what it was? Did they show and recover? Showing and recovering. Oh, show and recover? Um, so through the first four games, uh, they, show, they showed and recovered 27 times. In four games. In four games. In the last two games, they did it 42 times. Now, you're probably going to say, well, that means they – well, you're probably doing math in your head as you listen to this. Well, they showed 42 times in the final two, but they showed 35 of those 42 in game six. So what did they do in game five? Game five, they started trapping them. And that was not what they did in games one through four. In games one through four, they never trapped them zero times. That's game still five, insane to me. That's still crazy. In game five, they actually started trapping them. So that was the other thing. But, yeah. like, they, they, they switched it up. So if you, if you go through game four, through game four, the Clippers defended 206 Luka Doncic ball screens. They switched 66, they showed 27, they trapped zero, and they dropped on 113, which is the big. Um, game five, they really did change it up. Game five, they ended up um, just deciding that they needed to start trapping. And in fact, I have it detailed here. In game five, early on, they do trap Luka Doncic. It took 208 ball screens for their first <laughs> trap. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we talked about it before. It, it almost felt like the Clippers were trying not to show their hand in that. And uh, once it was 2-2, they're like, all right, it's time to just go. So the, the last stat on this, which is really funny, um, when I charted the ball screens, uh, on the first 75 ball screens in which Davica Zubats was the screen defender, so the big man, like, you know, in, in coverage, he showed on zero of them. Jeez. The first time he showed on a ball screen was in game five. It was the 86th ball screen he was the defender on. It was, it was just a game plan approach. Just it was a show. game plan. It's like, it's not like the players are just not going to do it. It's, it's up to the coach to tell them what they're going to do. Yeah. Now, sometimes players do go rogue. It happens, but I think it's all, it also is worth mentioning that um, Rex Kalamian is sort of the defensive mastermind yes. of the Clippers. And he's, He's been in charge of uh, some pretty good teams. I think he was uh, with the OKC team a couple years mm-hmm. ago, uh, the Raptors team a couple years ago as well. So um, after he, yeah, after Game Five, I don't know if you remember this from the media stuff, but after Game Five, Doc gives credit to Ty and Rex for changing this to the scheme. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it when you when you lay it out like that, 
it strictly sounds like a game plan approach to not show and recover or not trap and just, um, you know, switch or, or, or drop off the screen. I think if they win game four, which was the Luca buzzer beater, I think if they win game four, they don't change anything. They don't. I think no. that I, I think that dictated a lot because I think they went from going, all right, we're four seconds away from being up three one, playing this our own way and not showing our cards, to oh my god, it's two two and we really might blow this. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. They 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 try to show that hide that hand, and they they saw that they couldn't. Uh, they they might not be a, a future game to hold it for so um, yeah they just used it yeah I, with the nuggets i'm i'm um yeah back to what you said earlier if pat is healthy i could see clippers in five um i, I don't think that's that's so crazy to predict i do think it'll end up being clippers in six because i don't know what his health status is and i'd imagine that even if he is healthy you know he's not playing more than 20 minutes in game one he's not playing more than 22 minutes in game two um and he's going to be brought along slowly. So um, I, I'm going to stick with Clippers in six, although I really could see Clippers in five. I, I don't have a problem with that. I'm going to just – I might as well just go on a limb and just say Clippers in five. I just think – I think the time off uh, – now here's the big, the big uh, thing. Uh, Marcus Morris Sr. has to leave the bubble soon for the birth of a child. Um, it's likely to not happen in the second round. Based on the date that was floated that I remember is like September 13th or something. So I went back and we watched the, 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 the press conference and he never really gave a date. He just said uh, sometime in September. Now, I don't know if, 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 you know, maybe they were his girlfriend or whoever it is just kind of trying to deliver earlier. I don't know what, but I don't, I don't think there's a date out for it. Like it could end up being late September. It could be early September. I don't, I don't think it yeah. Did. Either way, so let's let's just say either let's just hypothesize and just say September thirteenth. Okay. Okay. So that would be the date of Game Six of the second round. Um. Now, obviously, he'd probably still play Game Five just because you can leave on the you can leave right after the game and go. Um. Based on Mike Conley leaving the bubble and coming back, Mike Conley missed two games, but I think there was days off in between. Thank you for bringing that up. He ended up missing um, two games, but I think he only had a two-day quarantine period. Right, and every quarantine period is different. Right. So if you're the Clippers and you know that he might have to leave the bubble, you know, fairly soon, you try. I'm going all out to win this series as fast as I can because I like you don't know, and you might need those days off theoretically just to let him go and come back without too much of a problem it would and be by perfect. the way it would be perfect if he could leave there after game five they win in five right for the lakers series now here's the thing i don't know how much time there's going to be off between the second round and the western conference finals if the clippers should advance um they're trying to wrap everything up as fast as they can i understand it. i wish they would give people some days off though that'd be nice um the other thing I really hope no one actually looks down at Marcus Morris for leaving the bubble for a birth of a child because you know what? Family matters more than sports. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. If the Clippers lose out on a title because Marcus Morris went to go to a birth, to, went to leave for the birth of his child, I don't care. Yeah. I really don't care that they would have lost the title chance. I really don't. That's a, it's, it's a once in a lifetime uh, opportunity. And you, you know, I, I, I obviously don't have any kids. I don't know, but, but I just know that it's, it's a, 
you just don't miss on that. That that's a that's a that's a once in a lifetime real life opportunity. Basketball can wait. And so uh yeah, no one should even fault him at all if he if he needs to leave and miss extra time or whatever it is. I will say that Jamichael being there in the wings is a nice little thing. <laughs> they have a lot of guys uh, ready to step up. A you lot know what's of guys. an interesting thing? Um and real I know we're running kind of long. The interesting thing too is if Marcus leaves during the second round, I kind of like just starting Kawhi at the four. So who would you go with? You go with Pat, Landry, Landry Paul, Paul, Kawhi, and then Zoo. Yeah. Okay. But you do want to avoid the Sham Lou Reggie lineup though. So you want I to avoid Sham Lou Reggie with Trez, and I do think. There is something there with trying to keep Jamichael with Trez, even though I think Jamichael works better without him. So I was going to say because because Doc has done a great job staggering. Uh, jo- oh, PG. thank you for bringing that up. Doc Rivers in the first round, marvelous at staggering Kawhi and PG. Marvelous. Which he didn't I do had, it all this season. I don't no, think he did it at all in the season. He did it once that I can remember, and that was the Minnesota game where they each dropped forty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were feeling it. Yeah, and, like, I had questions about him staggering because he never did it with Chris and Blake, even in postseason. He could, he just couldn't help himself. So frustrating. And all of a sudden, he's like, oh, yeah, no, I know how to stagger. I'm like, oh, where was this five years ago? <laughs> Would have been nice. Yeah, yeah seriously. Um, yeah, so that surprised me when I saw it, but I'm, it's a happy surprise. It's a pleasant, pleasant surprise, so I'll take I it. I should go back through a um, chart to see how much they, how much uh, time was spent without either one. I don't think but it I was know, much. But well, I, I know I game the foul one. trouble minutes with PG. Well, yeah, so game one, were, uh, they would have been on the court the entire time, but there was like Paul got in foul trouble late in the first quarter. If I remember correctly, and that like kind of set everything like haywire. Like there was like a, I think they only spent like two minutes fourteen seconds with both off the floor in the game one. I'd have to go through now. Obviously, game five throws everything for a loop because neither of them were really on the court in the fourth. So. Oh yeah. yeah, I guess you have to not account for garbage time minutes, but um, right. Yeah, back to your point though about but the bench lineup. I think you can get away with a Reggie, Lou. Trez Jamichael and either Kawhi or PG lineup. I think you can get away with that um, as a second unit. But if you if you're out there trotting out Reggie, Lou, Sham, Trez, and Jamichael, I have big concerns. Buddy, whew. I we're gonna see. We're gonna see it. We're gonna yeah. see it. We're gonna see that lineup. I have a feeling we are, but uh, I don't know. It's gonna like be interesting. All- I feel like we're all talked out of Clippers Nuggets. <laughs> no, I just – it's – because I haven't done the actual video work that I need to do, and I was I, – I, I was rooting for a game seven for those two teams, uh, Denver, Utah, for selfish reasons. I needed, to, I needed to unplug. I needed to break. Yeah, absolutely. I think you have to remember uh, your own mental health and just, just give yourself some time off as well. Um, I, it was nice for us not to have a practice the other day. We could just – you know, on our side, we could just kick back and – breathe uh, as i'm sure the players did as well so um they needed the time off the players did um i think what did get talked about a little bit is like they were getting burnt out like you're asking these guys to play literally every other day okay i think this this needs to be brought up as well um i'm happy that they get family back in the bubble they get family around them now uh lou lou mentioned that he's 
uh, today that he said something that, that, that really struck me when he said that when I left, my baby wasn't even, my son wasn't even crawling. Now he's crawling, walking around and got teeth, teeth growing out. And um, it's only been what, two and a half months, but that's a significant amount of time um, to not see your, your, your infant when you, when, when you've been, or, you know, your family in general, when you've been around them for four months in a row. Um, I think we forget that they're people. Yeah. I, I, I've been really frustrated with some of the comments I've seen about, you know, how much I know. money they're making and someone, someone said, Oh, you're making 8 million. Why are you bitching about that? And I'm like, dude, are you really that just like, I, I don't, I don't want to get grim, but I'm going to do it to prove a point. Anyone who brings up how money shouldn't matter, like how if you, the more money you have, like, like you won't be depressed. Uh, Anthony Bourdain. Come on. Like, what are we talking about here? And I don't want to get grim. It's, these are people. They're people. That's it. They're just people. People are complicated. Like, you can't just assume someone is okay just because of they what they have in their bank account. Mm-hmm. Because what affects you might not affect me. And what affects me might not affect you. And everybody is different. And I think we need to actually be respectful of the mental things that people go through on a daily basis that they don't talk about. Because how many times will you ask someone how they're doing and the common response is, I'm fine. And you know they're not, but you don't press. Yeah. And Yeah. No, uh, it's true. I just think money isn't everything. So it doesn't hurt, but it it doesn't fix everything. That's a saying what you just said now just made me think of of Chadwick Boseman and how he was able to at least outwardly keep a positive mindset and um, you yeah. know, positively, While he was going through uh, that. Yeah, affect people and and you know, lighten up the mood and, and inspire people. And uh, meanwhile, you know, behind closed doors, he's dealing with a a cancer that's probably going to take his life soon. And it did. What so. an amazing person, though. Yeah, that's uh, that was tragic. when I saw that. I uh, I lost. That was it. rough. That was I rough. lost it because you know, and everyone said it like, oh, I didn't even know he was sick. Well, that was also the point. It's yeah. like he because he didn't want people to pity him. And I just, I mean, I lost my father from cancer. So I know what it's like to watch someone go through that. And like that, that loss. And it kind of came rushing back to me because it's like, you never know what it's like to lose someone until you do. And I think that that losing Chadwick really like hit me like personally, like, like we didn't even know. And I think that's what made it hit me harder. It's like, we just didn't know. And that's how precious life is to where you don't know what someone's dealing with. Yeah. So just don't. I never would have guessed. I never would have guessed. But uh, yeah, rest in power. Chadwick Boseman, John Thompson as well. John Thompson as well. Yes, absolutely. Can we end this on a positive note? No. (laughs) I want to end on a positive note. Go for it, go for it, go for it. Happy birthday to Keanu Reeves. Really? Uh, yeah, September second. Okay, happy birthday, Keanu. I hope uh, he's fifty-seven. What? Or fifty-six? I don't know. I lost track of time. He's older than like forty-five. Yeah, he's mid fifties, bro. The the John Wick Keanu Reeves. Yeah, that Keanu Reeves. The hell? Mm-hmm. My God. 
I mean, I guess it makes sense when he beat up Boban, who looks like he's 50 and a mafia leader. Stole of the life force. <laughs> yeah. I remember my favorite moment. My favorite moment with Boban when, was when I asked him about that scene. And I was like, yo, could you beat him up in real life? He goes, yeah, I got it. I, I'd win that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was after the Lakers game. Remember when, when Lance threw the elbow at his, at his mouth? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, who hit you harder, Lance Stevenson or John Wick? And he goes, oh, come on. And he smiled and looked at the side and he goes, John Wick. <laughs> oh, man. I love Boban so much. I'm, I'm sad to see Dallas go because I love Boban. Seriously. There's not, a, there's not a better person in the NBA than Boban Marjanovic. <laughs> I remember <laughs> the first time we came uh, to the arena and he shook my hand. And I, I looked down at my hand. Oh, he hand shook your I, arm. <laughs> yo, dude, my, my hand disappeared. I, I didn't see my hand. It was just a big giant Serbian arm grabbing me. And I was like, holy shit. One time he tapped me on the chest while walking by me and I felt like he took my soul out. <laughs> it was like a double tap on my, on my chest and I was like, oh my God, I'm being lifted out of here. Sir, please don't. <laughs> like, uh, you know was, what I mean? He it was, it was so nice though. Never turned out an interview. It was incredible. So He's just the nicest guy. And, you know, I will say this. Uh, it says a lot about Boban that Marcus Morris Sr. in a series in which he could get a flagrant two fouls said that Boban was the nicest guy in the NBA. Former teammates. So Former I, teammates. I, yeah, with the Pistons. So I don't find it that hard to believe. But, yeah, you make a good point. I, the series that he had to say that about Boban was, uh, yeah, next level. I remember he fouled Trez hard on that play and was trying to apologize to Trez for like a good minute and a half just trying to get his attention. I, I don't know if you missed this, but in game six, um, he inadvertently hits Lou in the face. And like Lou goes down and looks at the the baseline or the the uh, yeah the baseline referee. referee like like hey like what the hell but like if you watch it in slow motion from the from the sideline angle that was given he actually hits him in the face and then like immediately reaches his hand out like and actually you can see his face and he looks like you good like you good like I'm sorry and I was like oh my god like this is the only <laughs> guy in the middle of a, of a of a game who would just be like, you okay, man? Like, literally, you know I think, like, yeah, I literally think he's the only one who would do that. Yeah, absolutely. From what I've seen. He's, he's just an incredible person. <laughs> like, it's, the NBA is blessed to have a guy like him, to be honest. Cause no, absolutely. it's just, it's just incredible. And you know, it's funny to see the difference in how outspoken he is with media. I think he did media every single day with the maps. And he reminded me of Milos who was who had great things to say when he spoke, but he so rarely spoke. I have one interview of him on tape, and it was it was outside the locker room rushing out uh, to go home, and we caught him because um, something happened with Luca or Bogdan Bogdanovich that he that we we, we want to talk to him about, and he stopped in the middle of the hallway, you know, cigarette beard and all, and just talked to us for like five minutes, gave us a really good interview. But that was the only interview. He did two interviews that year. Did you know that? No. He did one in Orlando postgame, and he did one right there in, in that, uh, outside the locker room in the hallway. That was it. Wow. He didn't do another interview that year. Was that his last year? Uh, no, he started the year on the team uh, last year. Sorry, this is two years ago then. This is two years Okay. Ago. This is Austin's final year with the Clippers. Oh, uh, I always liked Milos. I'm sad the plantar fasciitis always bit him. Yeah, it, kill, it killed him, yeah. But that was, uh, that was that year. The next year, Milos was on the team, but he was, I don't think he played very much and he got traded, so. 
Uh, yeah, he only played like 15 games, and like they didn't have like a spot for him really. And like there was all that talk of like how they might end up just letting him go, yeah. um, so that he can go back overseas. And I think that's actually what happened. Yeah, he did, but he, I think he got injured over that. Anyways, yeah, the, the point is uh, that I was told, but you know, Europeans, uh, some of them, you know, weren't really comfortable with their English, like like Milos. And to see Boban and how comfortable he is was shocking to me. I was like, wow, this guy's this guy wants to talk. He's doing a little eyebrow thing, eyebrow twitch, playing with 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 the with the camera uh, the other day. I don't know if you saw that video. It yeah, it was so yeah. funny. Just a great guy. It's yeah. It's I can't talk. Uh, we we can continue another hour just talking about. We, Bobo, honestly, so. we could. All right, Justin, where can they find you? You can find, find me on Twitter at flybynight. F L Y B Y K N I T E. You can find me at patreon.com slash flybynight. And I believe that's actually it. I don't even remember anymore. I'm you can follow him on Instagram at fly- no, just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, if you follow well, me on Instagram, you're not gonna see me post anything on Instagram. I just, I, I just really don't post on Instagram. What about your Tumblr? What are we doing? What about your Pinterest? My Give Pinterest. the people what they want. My MySpace page with my Fave Five or whatever the <laughs> hell it was. Have this, have the song playing in the background. Oh man, that Dude, was those so were the days. Those were the uh, days. Twenty ten was another animal. Dude, I don't think people remember what it was like 10, 15 years ago. Times were wild. Oh my god. MySpace. MySpace was the shit. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh man. Um, you guys can follow me at Tomer Zarly. That's T O M E R A Z A R L Y on Twitter and Instagram. Um, if if you like the podcast, please subscribe uh, wherever you guys get your podcast. Whether it's Google, Google Play, um, the Apple Podcast Store, uh, Spotify, iHeart, we're everywhere. Um, if you guys liked the podcast or disliked it, uh, shoot me a review. I want to hear everything. Uh, I prefer the five-star reviews. I will say that. Give us a five-star review. But if you guys have anything else you want to say, please either you know leave it in the review section or, or tweet at me or DM me, whatever you want. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm open to all of it. So, um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it, uh, this episode. Justin, thanks again for joining me. Um, I, if, you, if you missed it, he's got clips in five. I've got clips in six. I uh, might do another podcast tomorrow on the Lakers once we find out who they're playing. Um, That'll be a good game seven. Yeah, and so uh, I'll talk about that a bit tomorrow, but uh, we'll see about that. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, we will catch you guys uh, next time. Peace. Hey guys, just wanted to remind you about Bet Online. The wait is finally over and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and even coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager on than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online wagering sportsbook.